You're listening to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast with your hosts, Dee Dee Wills Ed Rock And Adam Peterson Here we go We're so glad you're here Let's get started Hello everyone, welcome back to The Classroom Collaborative Podcast I am Adam Peterson Hi, I'm Dee Dee Wills And we are, what is this, the, the second relaunch of the second season? Yeah, <laughs> we really, we, really mean it this time We really mean it It has been, it has been a minute We, uh yeah. Well, well, you've been back in classrooms. I yeah. restarted with students. My family went back to school. It was, it was a cra- like I feel like August didn't happen. Like it just came. Yes. Along. Yes. Yeah. I was traveling, um, working with a couple of dif- different districts. I've been to three different. Um, I don't want to call them gigs because that sounds, but like three different events um, right. that have been you know multiple days. So I mean, I loved it. Um, but all of a sudden, August just zipped by, and September's you know, halfway, halfway. over. Yeah. Um, halfway done. It's crazy. Right. No, right. I was the same. I mean, I, w- I was in my classroom studying again, but then visited a school out in Pennsylvania. It was so nice to be on the road again and see teachers face to face. And yes, it's, I got to do some well, virtual, got to do some virtual PD with the school in Canada again. And it, it's, I want to go like they, they were hoping we could make it work, but it was didn't make it work with COVID. But yeah, it, it's halfway through September and here we are uh second episode of what or third third episode of what we were going to start in july I, I look at you and i'm like you look familiar like i think i know <laughs> right. your voice is familiar um but i am super glad i was really excited we got this on the books and then uh those of you who are listening we have a couple more on the yeah. book so we will be a little bit more consistent um so that we can um reconnect with you all we're real excited about that yeah, and we're going to try to hit a bunch of topics that that I know Didi gets questions about in the Facebook group or emails. Yeah. A lot of you are reaching out, which thank you if you're listening to the podcast and you're saying, "Hey, let's talk about this," or "We'd like to hear an episode of this." That means more than you know to us because it gives us something to build on. So right. I know one of the questions you constantly get asked is about mastery and what that right. looks what like, or how right. that should look, or what it should for different grade levels. So do you want to kind of start and kind of talk about where those questions came from or maybe why people are asking? Right. So several, several weeks ago, I got a phone call. No, I didn't get a phone call. I got an email (laughs) out of the blue. I got Didi's number is one. No, no, I got an email and the question was, she was having a discussion with her team about assessments and what does it mean? um, What does mastery mean? Um, But essentially, here was the question. When, when um, assessing a student on letter sounds, the way that um, I have always done it is I have shown them the letter and then I asked the student, what sound does this letter make? And the student has to provide one sound or two sounds if they make multiple sounds, right? Like the S makes two sounds, the A's make multiple sounds, but whatever I'm looking for. So um, if it's a B, they should say B. If it's a T, they should should say T. And if they don't know, um, I may say, well, that's a letter T and it it makes the sound. Or I may say, um, this is a letter T. And then if they produce the sound, it's it's information from me. But if they don't, uh, essentially, if they if I say what le- what sound does this letter let's make this really confusing. I'm making this really confusing. <laughs> what sound does this letter make if they don't produce that sound? That's the only prompt I give them. If they don't produce the sound, then the answer is no. They don't know the sound, right? Mm-hmm. Then I give them more. I can give them more information um, and see if they know. But it doesn't change the answer. They don't know the sound, right? Right. Um, and so that's how I've always done it. They have to be able to produce the sound. 
because um, the assessment is knowing the the sound associated with the letter. Right. And when we give the student the letter, it's it's a scaffold, it's support, um, but it doesn't mean that they've mastered that skill. Well, right. I was very surprised. Um, I mean, I was surprised it was a question, first of all, you know, mm -hmm. how, well, is totally. this, how is this even a question? And then when I put the survey in my Facebook group, the primary collaborative Facebook group, um, you know, I would say, I think there was like 20% of the teachers said that if telling them this is the letter T and then they gave the sound associated with it, they gave them credit for it. And I was surprised that that was something they said, no, because what we're assessing is, do they know the sound associated with that letter? So that was a real surprising kind of response but, because they were, but I'm like, Ooh, but why do we need to know? if they know the letter, the sound associated, right? But I'm, I'm guess I'm kind of surprised by it too, because if, if they only know the sound and they have to be told the letter, that's not gonna help them when it comes to reading if they can't right. figure out that that's a letter T, right? Right, right. Uh, I feel really strongly about this um, for that exact reason. So when we look at data like an assessment, like, like this, it needs mm -hmm. to be interpreted root uh consistently by everyone right so if i were to assess a student and then send that assessment form off to another part of my building or another part of my state or another part of my country or another part of the world right if it says the student knows these letter sounds or sounds associated with letters the it the teacher is going to assume that they know the letter. Exactly. When, when they come across this letter in print, they're able to produce the sound. That's what we're assessing. Right. Um, not if the teacher is there saying, okay, now that's a C. And then they go, K, and th now that's an A, ah, and then they right. go, that's a T, t, right? That is not what, you know, that's not how we would learn to read. And that's not the skill that we are, we're assessing. Yeah. Um, and so, that goes back to, to like, how many times do you, you know, if, if a child, we, we've seen in the past where a child is trying to figure out a, a CVC word and they'll go, all right, listen, k -k 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 -ah 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 -t -t like they're not figuring it out if we're giving them yeah. the sound we're, they need to put those together. We're doing way more work for them. Right, right. Now that's a, and when I say that's a scaffold, that means that's a step in the right direction. Like if right. they are, I got nothing for you, sister. Um, then, you know, of course that's a support so that we can get them to that next spot, but we don't keep that support in place. We need to make sure we take that away. And we certainly um, don't do it on an ass assessment. And certainly on an assessment, we don't give them credit for it. Right. right? Um, there are some who would say, don't do any of that work. Most of the time I would not do, that's a letter T because that assessment should be fast. I mean, we're not yep. there for, you know, I mean, ain't nobody got time, 20 minutes to go through that assessment. We're not there to teach, we're there to assess. Um, but, you know, you could from time to time, you know, add that in there, but that should not be part of our routine. Uh, one, because students become dependent upon it. Right. Um, they might be like thinking, oh, if I just hang out here for a little bit, the teacher's going to support me versus the point of that is that these should be very, very quick. And there should be no delay in seeing the prompt and re providing the response. So if we're at the end of the school year and a student is staring at the letter B, Trying to think doing of doing some searching, right? Doing some searching, looking at the alphabet chart, you know, all of those things. 
That is needs not to be noted. Yeah. That is, that's, that's an approximation of mastery. I mean, we're getting closer, you know, right. they have the tools in place, but that is not mastery either. Well, um, I'm glad and, you mentioned too, I want to point out the fact that you just said it should be quick, 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 quick. And absolutely. I get that question a lot yes. when I do trainings for ESGI. I'm constantly, one of the things that I talk to the teachers about is um, if anybody's listening and, and knows ESGI, there's a lot of customization you can do to set up your account to look like your own. Right. And one of the things I talk about in ESGI, you can change the buttons at the bottom of the screen so they don't say yes or no, but they could say Y and N, or I make mine say CI, correct, incorrect. And I always say that way, you know, a child's not asking you why you click no when they thought they got it right. And teacher, right. I mean, it never fails that a teacher will say, well, don't we want them to question why they got something wrong? And don't we want to turn that into a moment? And I always say, yeah, that's great. I mean, teachable moments are great. If, if they got it wrong, we can explain that later. But during an assessment, you want to be in real time, streamlined as quickly as you can. Right. That's not time to sit and, like you said, not time to teach. It's time it's to assess what they know. Right. right? And Honestly, if you're just sitting there going, well, you got it wrong because this says that they're not really, I wouldn't call that a teaching moment anyway. It's more no. of an explanation, right? Like right. you need to take some strategic ways to teach that sound, for example, sound of a letter to a child. Right. And right. that's what I love about ESGI is that fact that it can be so streamlined, right? right? Like it makes that process so quick and we don't want to take time during an assessment to explain or right. teach. Right. We just want to go and then use that data later to then teach towards mastery. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that you can, you know, you can do as you are setting the student up, we're going to go ahead and look at your sounds. I'm going to show you a letter and mm -hmm. I want you to respond as quickly as you can. Right. Or, and kids know, love that. I, mean, I know I have two little boys that I'm working with right now who we're, we're working, we are working hard on sight words. They're, they're struggling with sight words and I mean, we're, we're just working like crazy and they work, they work so right. hard. And that little, what you just did is exactly the the hook that they need. Let's see how quickly you can do it. And I'll- We want you as quickly as you can. For no sake other than getting them excited, I'll set a stopwatch. I mean, I'm not really timing them to see how they're quick, but I'm like, hey, let's see how quick we- We're not That's trying to be anything. I'm not setting a timer. I'm setting a stopwatch. Right. <laughs> let's see how quickly we can do it. Right. And, and it is, it really does get their focus on doing right. it. Because if I don't, then they are- um, yeah, and they're wanting you know, to talk and, about hey, what you happened. Know, I got a cat, you know exactly. Public, you know that kind yeah. of thing, right? So kids need that motivation sometimes, and it's right. okay even if you're not timing it, but just to see how you know get them excited about it. Right, right, and you know the other thing to think about is we think about kindergarten, it's such a huge year of growth, mm -hmm. um, and you you want to be able to, and I think I think this is something that we we want to keep in mind. We want to be able to show the growth. Um, accurately, but yes. also maybe step into it. So let's imagine it's October, you're doing your initial, you know, we've had six weeks or eight weeks of instruction, I'm doing another assessment here. Um, at this point, maybe you want to do letter sounds, right? But you want to give them that support of like, I'm going to tell you the letter, you know, right. this is a T and I'm going to, you know, maybe that's the assessment you want to do rename that assessment. It's so easy to do in ESGI. You just copy it, rename it and yep. just say letter, letter um, name given, right. For mm -hmm. this assessment. And then maybe in January, when you're doing your mid-year big assessment, you remove that prompt. And then you say they're, you know, it counts if they can give me the answer within 10 seconds. Right. Right. Um, and then the final one, it should be, the final one should be, 
um, you know, answered within, you know, two seconds. They see it. If you think about it, it's a long time. If they see it, one alligator, two alligator, right. that's actually even too long, right? Two seconds is too long. It well, should I, be immediate. I love what you just said too about taking those baby steps into it, but we need to remember that that those steps need to be there. And, and case in yeah. point, I worked with a teacher one time who, this is before I even used ESGI probably, these were like our, our end of topic or end of chapter math tests in kindergarten, right? Like, does the child know this topic? And right. I remember constantly getting into arguments, if that's the word we want to use. It wasn't really, it was just a disagreement, yes, about the fact that this other teacher would think that you know, we're only, I don't, I don't really focus on those tests because we're just introducing this. So like she would just move on. I mean, she would get through our math series in no time because right. we had to like our scope and sequence tells us I have to teach this, 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 regardless of how this. And I always argued, you know, this isn't just introduction. Like we're setting the stage for what's happening next. So is every child going to master every single skill in kindergarten? Probably not. Right. Yeah. Like they're all learning at different paths, but that's why we go back and we review. We don't just push through to get through a curriculum, yeah. right? Like we that. we're going to need you to get that to do this, but you didn't get that. We're just moving on, right? Right. Yeah. And I had that. I had that argument, and the word mastery always came up. Well, this isn't about mastery. This is about introduction. I'm like, true. We are introduced into a lot of new things, but we're also we're here to make sure they're learning those new things. Right. That some things are about mastery um, in the kindergarten years and the first grade years. Right. You know, that's how we get to students who are in the fourth grade and don't know their math facts, right? Exactly. Because got we got pushed through. We just got to keep pushing through. So um, we need to call it what it is. We're not doing anybody any favors by sugarcoating it. Mm -hmm. And if you think about a parent who is getting either a report card or an ESGI printout, a parent report showing that their student knows all of their letters and sounds or numbers or shapes or whatever it is. Um, and then they go into first grade and they're falling behind because they can't produce the sounds. Right. We're not doing anybody any favors by calling it something that it's not. We need to be very yeah. accurate and consistent. I mean, I know that if I were to go get a blood test on my cholesterol and my, my, my blood test came back as I had high cholesterol and my doctor said, well, you know, you know what to do, you know, you're not doing <laughs> it, but you know what to do. So I'm going to say that your cholesterol was normal. I mean, was okay. Right. I mean, that doesn't do anybody any good. Well, um, it's not it's doing a, that child any favors when they get to first grade, then in the first grade teacher or the teacher, any favors, because now the teacher has this exactly. inconsistent data. They're saying, well, their data came to first grade looking like this, but right. wow, I mean, how bad went, was that summer learning loss? Right? right. Like, right. Right. I mean, we look at, if you're looking at the, the assessments and it's showing in, in December that they had all of their letters and sounds and they didn't, mm -hmm. you know, cause you think, well, you know, maybe at the end of the year they could lose a few, but from December to the end of the year, and then they lost a whole bunch. I, we just, we need to, we need to stop um, coddling test yes. results. Um, because that's the only only way we can see a what's working and b what's not working is if we are consistent um, and we are all talking the same language. Um, you know, if, if somebody gave an example of um, if I'm doing an algebraic as assessment, let's say I'm doing something that had multiple step algebraic response. You right. know, they had to go through these different. I don't even know how to talk about it intelligently. I would know. I I, I'll just go I'll nod my head and smile. I know. I'm like, <laughs> if they found out, if they got the wrong answer for X 
And the issue was they made a mistake in the math facts, um, but they followed the steps correctly. There was a teacher, you know, if they, there was a multiplication issue or subtraction or whatever issue that caused X to be wrong. And the teacher said, um, I still gave them credit for that because they followed the steps correctly because I'm assessing, do they know the algebraic? Mm -hmm. And I guess part of me is, you know, because that's where the skill gets bigger, right? right? That's where we we take that small, do they know their numbers? Do, can they add? Can they subtract? Can they multiply? And then we go down the road. If they're still getting the wrong answer because they have a failure earlier in their ability to add, subtract, multiple, divide, and we've been saying they have mastery of add, subtract, multiple, divide, right. You know, it does become an issue that shows up later. The end result is if I'm building a bridge and I made an uh, algebraic mistake and that bridge does not last, we have, you know, we have a bridge that's fallen down. So right. the, the correct answer is important. Um, I think that there needs to be, yeah, if you want to give credit because um, they were able to follow the steps, but they failed here. We don't want to give them full credit, you know, maybe give them half credit, come up with something in your um, assessments, you know, for kindergarten teachers who are teaching algebraic expressions, right? But give them a partial credit for that on a paper test, but really make sure that you highlight that this was not mass. This isn't mastery because it, it all has to be correct. Mm -hmm. And also part of that process is, is not only do we get the right answer, but Part of it is that we check that we got the right answer. So right. you you know you do it in reverse. So I, I I still am hesitant. I would say that they don't get credit at all. Um, you know, and say you know no credit because but, you, yeah. you missed this part. And as a teacher, what I would want to do is give them no credit for that. Then have a discussion with them. You followed the steps perfectly. However, you made this multiplication issue or whatever. Um, I'm going to give you another problem that is exactly, mm -hmm. you know, what's going to require you to do the same things. But this time, do your math correctly. And if you get that right, then I'll go ahead and give you credit for that. You know what I mean? Something right. along those lines. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, the, you know, it's an all or nothing thing. But, you know, when we, have, when we have students who aren't able to pass the SAT with scores that are applicable to what we exactly. think their skills are, um, you know, when we're having students failing in our assessments, it's because we keep giving passes. Right. Things, saying well, and I think that's where I would argue that. your point against yourself is that I think it needs to be an all or nothing on an assessment, right? The, the yeah. teaching time is when it's not all or nothing. The teaching time is when you review all that and you go back and you review, right. review, review. But on an assessment, it should be, do they know it or do they not? Like they not? plain as day, do they know it, do they not? Right. And, I think th that's one thing I love so much. I was going to say two things so much about ESGI. I know we keep talking about it, but yeah. e teachers, I know when they hear us talk about things like this, they're thinking, well, yeah, that's a lot to keep track of, though. Well, with ESGI, it's not because you have your notes feature that you can go back in. And I, that's yeah. what I love most about notes on ESGI is typically it's not us that are questioning anything or our students that are questioning. It's going to be the parents, right? It's going to be the right. parents who say, well, no, because they showed me at home that they all know the letters of the alphabet. I'm like, well maybe they did but when i sat and did it formally yeah. with them and that's right. why with notes i can type in and say you know they know this or they said this you know right. maybe at home they they knew that that was the letter q but today they called it an o you know and, right. and even after asking them what is that letter they still called it an o and right. that's why i am such 
a, a big uh, pusher and I guess motivator for teachers to constantly, I mean, I'm always doing this in my, my sessions and when I work with schools is pushing and pushing and pushing the need for small group instruction. Yeah. And it's for no other reason than this, because right. I, I, I push all the time, use your data. And I'm not talking like centers and play. Yes, I talk about that a lot. I'm talking right. about what you're doing with your small groups while the rest right. of the students are out in centers or stations. Right. You should be setting strategic times during your day to pull what I call, what we call instructional groups right. to either review from data, to enrich from data or reteach from right. from data that you got, right? And right. I, I guess I felt like I became so much better at that when I started using ESGI because I, I was building, you know, I was always doing small group work. Right. But let's be honest, I was doing it based on observations. You know, I was doing, oh, hey, this child needs this. Or this. Right. And now that I have the data at my fingertips to be able to do it, I can quickly pull groups and say, you know, I need you, 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 come see me. We're right. working strategically on this. And right. I'm either reteaching it reviewing it to you know for mastery or or enriching and moving on to something else and that's why i will you know till i'm blue right. in the face preach small group small group small group instruction and you know esgi does make it so easy because not only can you you pull the data from what you did from assessments you know last week but you can then reassess based on mm -hmm. the um, small group instruction that you've done to see is that working are we making headway um and you know that graph to show progress or not um, is really, really helpful as well. So right. um, I, I love that. It's it's too overwhelming. I'm such a stacker shuffler of paper. And, you know, <laughs> I can't do it on paper. I has to be, somebody right. has to like, I need an intervention on organization. And so <laughs> yes, guys, so great with that. And then, you know, administration or different, um, different people who may push into your your building or if you have after school care or any mm -hmm. of those types of things, you can easily give that data to them. Um, but you you did say something I want to kind of circle back about parents yeah. because, you know, you will have parents who start off the year and say, my, my child knows all of their letters and sounds. And then when you go do an assessment and you're like, what? Right. And, and it's because, you know, the support that is happening at home is very different or the way yes. that they, what they determine knows is different than what we understand as well. So the oftentimes um, when I have a student who is, um, struggling, um, I will invite them to come in and have them watch me give an assessment so that we are talking the same thing. It's a great idea. Um, and so, and, and then at the same time, you know, one thing that, you know, I always talk about in my sessions on interventions is about when the perfect son, I think, you know, the story when the perfect son was in kindergarten, Yep. the teacher said, you know, he's doing great with, um, you know, being able to decode the words, but he needs to work on comprehension. Can you work on that with them? And I said, yes, because, but I wasn't a teacher yet. And so I really had no idea what that looked like in right. kindergarten. And so, but instead of saying, I don't know what that looks like, can you tell me? Um, and I'm a pretty confident person. Um, I just said yes and walked away and therefore probably didn't do anything that was very helpful, <laughs> very helpful at all. So, you know, and what I You're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, totally, I'll, I'll do that. I'm like, so then it was like quiz show, you know, quiz show with Matt Wills. Um, so um, instead, what I say to what I recommend to teachers and what I would say to parents would be, I know that you have some routines that you're following, but I also have some routines. So I would love it if you could come in, watch me do the assessment and then watch me run through a couple of things that I think are really helpful 
for your child to grow in this area. And that's awesome, yeah. we're both doing the same thing and he's getting, she's getting a double dose. It then takes the pressure off of, I know you don't know what you're doing, mom and dad, you know, everybody stays space. And oftentimes those parents um, who have children that struggle, they also struggled right. oftentimes, you know, sometimes it might be an issue of a dyslexia issue. It might be an issue of attention. It might be, you know, other things. Um, but as a parent, if I had a learning issue and somebody said, could you work on, on this with them? I would be okay, but right. I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be able to, I'm not equipped to maybe know what to do. I mean, teachers aren't oftentimes equipped to know what to do until they know the research and the science behind how the brain how yeah. I love that idea. And I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, the teachers are going to say, oh, well, I have so many students. I'm not inviting all those parents into watching the assessment. And I am, I am such, again, something I talk to teachers about all the time is how to share your classroom with the families. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and if you, most schools, I think are probably like G suite schools. If you have a Gmail account, you also have a YouTube account. If you have Google, you have YouTube and you can set private YouTube videos where you can post, you know, create a class YouTube page. I know a lot of people have like class Facebook pages and social media right. pages, but create a class YouTube channel and just either film yourself giving an assessment or just create a little video on your phone telling parents how you give that assessment, you know? Right. Um, if you're going to work with your child on the ABCs at home, here's what I'd like you to do as you talk to them and, and just share with parents how you want them to teach. Because you're exactly right, Didi. There are a lot of parents that don't know how to teach Right. what we're teaching. And right. when I was still in the, the um, actually my last year in the kindergarten classroom, there was like a two week span where flu went rampant through my class. And I had like six kids, six or seven kids gone for like mm. two weeks. And I wasn't going to stop teaching. Right. But so every day I would make a quick little, maybe three minute video on my phone saying, Hey, here's what we did in foundations today. We covered the letters E F G. And here's right. how I want you to teach those to your child. E says, eh, like E ed, eh. And I would teach them how to do that right. with their child at home. Here's what we covered in math. When you're doing this, please teach it this way. Because a lot of parents are looking for that and they just don't want to, maybe they're afraid to ask or don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about. But it took me, I'm not kidding, maybe five minutes to create simple little videos where I would just put it on that private channel, record myself talking to my phone put it up on a channel and parents could catch it at home. And because YouTube makes it so easy, you can record straight in the YouTube app on your phone. There's a little camera, you click it, right. you record it. You can edit it right there on your phone in the YouTube app. Perfect. It's so easy. And, and it doesn't right. have to be a whole lesson. It can just be a quick, here's how I want you to do this at home. Here's how I want you to do this. Please right. try this. Right. Um, when you're assessing your, not assessing, but you know, when you're working on a child with the alphabet, right. use these terms or say it this way. And I think parents would appreciate that so much because not every parent is going to be one that says, Hey, I, I need help on doing this. You know, we just know right. that parents aren't always right. going to ask for help. And if we can offer it without them asking, then Brilliant. I think not only are you building that relationship, but you're yeah. also, you're only helping the kid. Right. You know, and you can, you can, if you're doing whole group instruction for that, you can position your camera so that mm -hmm. the students aren't on there. It could just be you. Right. Um, or if you're doing an assessment, you know, you could position it um, with a student so that the name of the student isn't shown. Right. Um, and so there's a, there's ways to pr um, protect some privacy. And, you know, as you were saying that, you know, there are some Oftentimes, those students who need extra help, they have parents who 
are struggling to just kind yes. of manage their own life, let alone keep an appointment with you. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a great way to have, have that. Will every parent access it? No. Right. Um, but you would have a you could have a bank of um, different types of lessons that you could show yep. um, because, I mean, who knows, we may have to shut down for a week or two. You know, there's lots of different things. Schools are really fluid right now. Like yeah, every yeah. day is like a whole new thing. I'm not telling anybody who's listening something new. They all know that. But, right. you know, you have those types of lessons available to to support and. In fact, you said that that's one of the things I'm going to be doing um, in the next couple of weeks is recording myself doing some lessons um, with students so that Perfect. I can share that with other teachers. So yeah. I'm excited about that. But I think with the ability to be able to share with parents now, I mean, you have so many resources at your fingertips, either whether it's email, a text, remind, seesaw, whatever mm -hmm. it is. I mean, all of those YouTube links could be shared exactly as a link that way. You know, hey, parents and remind, I just put up a new link, check it out. They can click on it, go straight to YouTube. And I mean, let's be honest. If a child has a device, which most kids, I don't want to get into politics of it, but right. it, there's rarely a time where you don't see a kid on someone's phone, right? Like on a mom's right. phone, maybe they don't have their own iPad, but right. I'm going to guarantee, I would I would put money on the fact that 99% of those devices have the YouTube app loaded on them somewhere, right? Like yeah. people are, people are constantly have that at their fingertips, whether or not you're using it all the time, but it can be such a powerful tool to be more so much more than just an email or a text to have a video of you yeah. telling them here's a way to try it and like you said are they going to all access it no um most of the time it's probably the ones that need to access it or the ones that are not going to access it but at least right. you're you're giving them the opportunity you know right right i don't know I it's, that. that's a great I, it, it was one that of those things that came you're so smart Hey, if I didn't have seven kids absent for two weeks, I don't know that I ever would have started it. But it was one of those things even after that I, I constantly did because we were getting into some tougher stuff. And we got new curriculums that, you know, the, I remember when Common Core first came out and everyone was like, we don't know how to teach this math. Well, it's true. There were some parents that had no idea right. why we were teaching this through 10 frames, you know, or what, what that even right. meant. So, why we're building all that time spent on number sense. Just yeah. they know it or they don't, right? And I, I know that seems so minor to us teachers that are listening and, and Didi and I ourselves, but... It, it took some explaining to some parents how what, what even a 10 frame was, you know, and what the point right. of that was and how we could see numbers in that and how kids could recognize value. So I know it seems maybe like work, but honestly, like three to five minutes at the end of my school day, I'd put my phone on a tiny little, I hold it or put it on a tripod, right? Like you can right. get phone clips that go on tripods. You can get a tripod for 10 bucks on Amazon. Yes. Put it on there. Yeah. Like you, people can't see it, but like DD's holding and Super I'd set it on my desk. I set it on my desk and I'd record it right into my YouTube app, you know? So, Perfect. Um, Mr. YouTube, anyhow, Adam Peterson, you are. Oh my gosh, like I haven't that. done anything on there for so Oof. long. I'm actually, I've got some new videos I'm going to start recording today because I, I need to get back into the routine of like doing it. They want to um, see you, man. They want to see I keep, you. <laughs> I keep making excuses. But one All thing right. before we go to, um, I don't know when y'all are listening to this, but if you're listening to this before September 30th of 2021, yeah. Our friends at ESGI are running a stupid, crazy deal. Like, I, I don't know how know. they do stuff like this <laughs> like as a business. But if you're listening to this before September 30th of 2021 and you head to ESGISoftware.com and use our promo code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, use that promo code. You are going to get your free trial extended through December 31st of this year, which is unheard of. That's right. What, three months that they're going to get that. I mean, usually it's a 30 day trial. Sometimes it's a 60 day trial depending on what they're doing, but yeah, you're going to get it for the rest of the year. Uh, be 
if you register before September 30th. And I say register, it's really just signing up. You don't have to have a credit card. Right. You just sign up for your free trial of this That's amazing- That's my credit free trial. There's I know, no right? Like <laughs> there's no strings attached. Right. So yeah, check it out everyone, esgisoftware.com. You can do amazing progress monitoring and guiding your instruction with it. Uh, code podcast to get it through the end of the year. That's a, it's an awesome deal. And um, you get a big discount should you decide to yes. um, decide to get it. Um, one thing that I always tell teachers, even if you're thinking, you know what, there's no way I personally can afford this, right? Mm -hmm. We know that is something, a truth for a lot of people. I always say it's bake sale worthy, but even if you're not going to be a bake seller, um, you know, you can grab that data um, and you get a great head start on all of your assessments for the year. You can mm -hmm. get all those baseline assessments done, a ton of them by the end of the year. Um, but also share it with your administration because when they see it and see the power of it, um, most of the time they're like, let's do this thing. Right. So I actually just had a conversation with a teacher that same way. She, she messaged me through uh, Facebook messenger and said, Hey, I saw your ad. I, I've wanted to try this too long, but our admin keeps saying no. And I was like, well, just try it. Like you're not, they're not out anything for you doing this right. free trial. So she sent me back and said, all right, my teammate and I just signed up with your link. We're going to do it. And then we're going to show our principal all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, and email me if they need, you know, if they want support or have questions. Here's you're right. Once someone sees principals, it. Principals love data. Right. They love that assessment, that hardcore assessment data. They also love teacher buy-in. And yep. so when you bring both, first of all, what teachers get excited about assessment? Like zero. Exactly. Yeah. But when you have when you have teachers excited about this, this is the data that I get and this is how I can use it. Um, you have teacher buy-in. Um, principals are more likely to say, let's give it a whirl. That's right. That's how we got out of my school. I got a free trial of it at a conference, Same. came back, used it, showed it to them. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's do this. So Same. Same. yeah, check that out, everyone. Oh my gosh. Were you I, gonna feel say something? Like, Sorry. I feel like this has been an amazing day because we got to talk about our favorite things. Mm -hmm. We got to see our favorite people. I get to right. see you. I'm assuming that I'm your favorite. I feel like this is the end of a Mr. Rogers episode. Right? I know. <laughs> and, um, Mr. Green Jeans. No, that's Captain Kangaroo. Anyhow, we got our, our first like official relaunch of our relaunch episode out there. So thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you all on the next uh, roundabout, right? All right. Bye everyone. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Classroom Collaborative Podcast. If you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you are finding them. And share and rate it so others can find it as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.